either. I mean, that's what the whole thing is. And in modern psychology, we've got to take care of ourselves. As if we had been ignoring ourselves our whole life. You know? Now, is there any of us, when we really look over our whole life, who, who can honestly say, I've spent my whole life just taking care of others and ignoring myself? Yeah? Is there anybody here who's done that? If you do, you get the Bodhisattva Award. <laughs> you know? But it's just so interesting. You know, it's like we've spent our whole life trying to take care of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, we always are trying to protect ourselves from harm, trying to protect ourselves from criticism, to get as much praise and approval as possible, to fit in with other people because we want to fit in. We try and get as much material possessions as we can that make us feel good. We try and make our body healthy and, and attractive. We try and give ourselves a lot of pleasure. Um, we want to get career advancement and high prestige and, you know, we spend a good portion of our whole life, if not 25 hours a day, taking care of ourselves. And yet, it, you know, they're making it seem in, in pop psychology now like we've been ignoring ourselves our whole lifetime. And so we have to get back to basics, you know. Start being selfish because we've been too generous our whole lives. <laughs> but if you really look, is that our problem? Is our problem that we've been too generous? You know, is our problem that we've been so incredibly kind and patient and tolerant that people have taken advantage of us? You know, is that our problem that we're just so incredibly forgiving? That we never get angry and so everybody just runs all over us? That's our problem? I think we, we really need to, to start looking again at what is the path to happiness. And it's true, we all want happiness. We all want to avoid pain. That, that's been true throughout our whole lifetime since we've been born. But up until now... Um, have we really succeeded in finding the happiness we want? And what kind of method have we used to get happiness? And if we really look, you know, our whole life, we've, we've spent trying to be happy and we've used the method of me first. Yeah. And usually, and even in the circumstances when we've been nice to other people, it's usually because then they'll do something nice for us back. You know, even the nice things we've done haven't been completely generous and, and open-hearted and, and free. They're usually We usually attach lots of strings and obligations to them. And if we can't control the other people enough to have strings and obligations, then at least we have lots of expectations. Yeah. And so we've, we've tried to be happy our whole lives using that method, you know, taking care of ourselves first, doing what suits us first, doing what's going to make us more accepted, most popular, most wealthy, most cared for. And where have we gotten? You know, where have we gotten? Have we gotten any happier? No, I mean... I'm just asking questions because I've learned with Americans you can't tell them very much. 
myself included. So we have to, I ask questions, you know, for us to look at our lives and you need to check up your own life. Yeah. I mean, where have we gotten with the whole way we've been living our lives up until now? What, what have we gotten to? So considering that, you know, we spent the whole life basically caring about number one uh, and ignoring everybody else, you know, we could, for variety's sake, try another method. We always say change is the spice of life, isn't it? Something like that, you know? We could try cherishing others, add some spice in our life. But no, 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 we don't want to do that. That's, that's too scary, you know? We cherish others, then, then what's going to happen to me? If I don't take care of myself, who's going to take care of me? If I don't make sure I'm happy, then maybe I'm going to be miserable. I mean, this is kind of our fear, isn't it? I've got to take care of myself because otherwise what else is going to happen to me? You know, this is big, bad, mean, cruel world out there. And I've got to, you know, set up my defenses and do what I need to do to protect myself against it. Otherwise, it's going to overrun me. That's the way we approach life. And yet it's so interesting because the more and more you get into Buddhism, what does Buddhism talk about? The benefit we've received from others. And we start looking over our whole life from the time we were conceived in our mother's womb to the amount of benefit, you know, the whole life, how much benefit we've received from others. And when we really contemplate that, that very deeply, then this whole notion that the world out there is big and bad and so I have to protect myself from it, that easily gets real, it gets negated very quickly. Because we can begin to see how completely false it is. Because when we came into the world, there was no possible way we could take care of ourselves. Nothing. We couldn't do anything. Yeah, we couldn't feed ourselves. We couldn't even tell other people what we wanted. We couldn't give ourselves shelter. We couldn't do anything. Yeah. And so the whole reason we survived from the time that we were infants is due to the kindness of other people. Yeah, the whole reason we got educated, the whole reason we can speak, the whole reason we know anything at all or can do anything at all, it's because of the kindness of others. And so our whole life we've been this recipient of so much incredible kindness and benefit from others, and yet we perceive the world as this harmful place that we have to defend ourselves against. It's really interesting, isn't it? It's like when we really look at it, our mind is totally out of whack with the reality of the situation. As when we look at the amount of benefit we've received our whole life compared to the amount of harm, it's like there's almost no comparison. I mean, no comparison. Even you take the worst, most horrible, miserable day of your whole entire life, and you think of the benefit you received from others that day and the harm you received from others that day, and still there's no comparison. You know, let's say there was even one day where you were really beaten very badly. You know, you were attacked and beaten. Okay, that's some harm. But where did we get the food that day that, that kept us alive? Where did we get the medical attention that saved our life? Where did we get the moral support from other people? Where did we get the skills that we had to cope with a bad situation? The mental skills we had, where did they come from? So even if we look just the most horrible day of our life, 
still on that day we've been the recipient of so much kindness and benefit from others. So this whole perception we have that, you know, that the world is hostile, it's, no, we're really not like that. But there's something in us that, that feels really scared to admit, to admit that, because it would involve really giving up uh, the whole way we've organized our lives. Because we've organized our lives around I. Yeah? Nice, solid, concrete. Yeah? Me, I, my, and mine. My boundaries, my likes, my dislikes. There's this mean world out there. I have to defend myself against it because it never does anything to me except harm me. And like just opening ourselves to, to allow ourselves to receive from other beings just threatens that whole preconceptual way of viewing our life. So um, I don't think our problem is that we haven't taken enough care of ourselves. Yeah. It's that we've taken the wrong kind of care of ourselves. Yeah. We haven't taken the correct kind of care of ourselves. We've gone about it really the wrong way because by approaching the world as if it's harmful and being antagonistic and defensive and aggressive to the world, we have elicited those same kind of actions in, re- in response. You know, it's karma, isn't it? You get you get back what you put out. So in our, our attempt to be happy, we've basically created more and more problems for ourselves continually blaming it on the other people, on the environment, on the, the government or whatever. And so the really taking the right kind of care of ourselves, we, we've never really done that. In spite of how much we, we care about ourselves, we love ourselves, we want to protect ourselves, we want ourselves to be happy, in spite of all that, we've never really taken the right kind of care of ourselves. Because if we really understood cause and effect much better, if we stopped to really check up what our situation was instead of just acting blindly, we would begin to see that the best way to take care of ourselves would be to take care of others. Because the selfish way of taking care of ourselves has gotten us absolutely nowhere. We have however many years you've been alive to prove that to yourself. Just... I mean, look over your own life and see if what I'm saying is true or not. But how often have we really tried taking care of others and seeing if that's made us any happier? So the, the taking care of others is something we've never really done. No. Not really with a totally free, open heart, with no strings attached, with complete giving. And if we take care of others in that kind of way, with a genuine kindness, then that actually, in fact, is the best way to take care of ourselves. Because if we start acting kindly, then that's the kind of energy we attract back to ourselves. If we frame our mind, if we, with the conceptual view upon we look that the world is that it's a nice, friendly, kind place, then that's the way it's going to appear in our eyes. 
Well, the whole experience comes from our own internal mind, not from outside. Okay. So we need to learn to take the right care kind of care of ourselves. And that right kind of care is to care for others. Not in uh, a codependent, ulterior mode of manipulating way of caring for others, because that isn't taking care of others. That's taking care of ourselves. So people in dysfunctional relationships who say that they spend their whole life taking care of others, they aren't taking care of others. They're taking care of themselves. That's the problem, is that we never genuinely take care of others. Because taking care of others means letting go of all of our own expectations, all of our own strings, conditions. And all those things are, are what make us so unhappy. Because as soon as we have an, we take care of somebody else with expectation, then of course, I, you know, 99% of the time our expectation isn't fulfilled. Why? Because it wasn't realistic. And we take care of others with strings attached, and then we get hurt afterwards. Yeah, it's because we're the ones who, who put the strings there. Yeah, if we didn't put the strings there, then there wouldn't be anything for the other person to, uh, to break. <laughs> yeah, no strings to break. Okay. So the whole thing comes that, you know, we have control of our experience if, if we choose to, to take that control. So tonight we're going to finish up the section on, on cause and effect. <laughs> That's what I said last time, too. Um, <laughs> there's something about cause and effect that I think is really important to go into. I was thinking about it today. And that, you know, even though I've taken, like, so much time and, and emphasis on saying, you know, that the fact that we do actions, in other words, karma and then results come effect. From it. it doesn't mean that um, we're getting punished. It's not a system of reward and punishment. And because we act negatively, it doesn't mean that we're bad people. It just means that we've made mistakes. And in spite of stressing this so much, you know, and having it stressed to me, I can still see within my own mind sometimes when I act harmfully, you know, or create negative karma, there's part of the mind that says, oh, messed up again, didn't you? <laughs> you know, kind of, you did something bad. That kind of, you know, the single voice that says, oh, I did something bad again, wouldn't you know it? Um, and then this kind of apprehension comes, like, Oh, well, I do believe in karma. I do believe in cause and effect. And I just did something bad. So, oh, yay, yay, what's going to happen, you know? And in terms of future lives, what's going to happen? And some kind of quite uncomfortable feeling. And so I was thinking about it, you know? And it, it kind of struck me that uh, instead of seeing it that way, because that really is falling very much into the Judeo-Christian paradigm again, yeah. is to, to recognize, okay, if I have a spiritual aspiration, working for the happiness of myself and others, trying to become a fully enlightened being, 
Buddha for the benefit of others. And if that's the, the underlying principle, purpose, you know, that I'm aiming for, that I'm directed for in my life, then when I notice that I've acted negatively, what that signals to me is that my mind is out of balance. Yeah. That somehow I'm unbalanced. That somehow I'm not on track towards what I've decided is a really noble goal in my life. And what is it that makes me get off track is because somehow my mind is hallucinating. Yeah. And so when we act negatively, it's because our mind is hallucinating. Lama Yeshe used to say this to us all the time. He used to say, you think you're perceiving reality, don't you? <laughs> you only think you're hallucinating when you take LSD. But I tell you, you're hallucinating now. You know? <laughs> and Lama used to tell us that. Oh, I mean, I can't even begin to impersonate Lama Yeshi, but, you know, <laughs> he just really emphasized, you know, you're hallucinating right now. And so that's the thing, that when we start acting negatively, it's indicative that our mind has gotten out of whack. We've gotten bent out of shape. We've begun to get involved in our hallucinations thinking that they're reality. Because when we act negatively, what is it that's going on? We're usually very attached to something, very angry at something, extremely fearful or jealous, very proud and, you know, wanting to, to make ourselves well-known. You know, we're involved in something like that. And if we look at any of those kind of motivating attitudes, they're all really quite out of whack. You know, they're not balanced. They're not in tune with reality. There's an exaggeration there somewhere. So when we're acting negatively, it's indicative that our mind is unbalanced, that we're hallucinating, and so we're going further away from what we've already decided was a really noble goal uh, and a beneficial way to actualize our human potential. So that rather then get angry at ourselves because we've gotten ne- we've acted negatively. To take the negative action as like the burglar alarm going off, you know, the warning signal going off of, hey, I better look at what's going on in my mind here. Something's out of whack. Yeah. And so this is a really different attitude with which to approach our negative actions instead of this, Oh, well, I did it again. I'm always flubbing up. I'm so negative. Blah, blah, blah. I better go do some purification. Um, (laughs) You know, just like, ooh, yeah, this is, I want to look. This is an opportunity to learn something about what's going on in my mind. You know, this is an opportunity to stop for a minute and check up what's happening and to get myself balanced again. Because if I don't get balanced, I'm going to get further and further and further out of whack. I can really see how this happens. You know, something happens in our life and we get like a little bit angry and we don't take care of our anger. So then 
kind of every situation we meet, we get angrier and angrier because everybody starts looking, looking to, you know, appearing to us in our eyes as if they're harming us and bugging us. Or we get a little bit of, a little bit jealous, but we don't recognize it, we don't care about it, take care of it. So then everybody starts appearing, you know, in a very competitive, threatening way to us. And then we start, you know, really acting our jealousy out, and then other people get more and more apprehensive around us. So, so rather than just kind of fall prey to these kind of currents and patterns of behavior to, to stop and, and, Look, you know, how am I misconceiving things? How am I off balance? And get ourselves back in balance again. So that's what, what, how the purification process works. You know, this is what helps us get back in balance. So at the end of the day, you know, that's why it's advised to do some purification every evening. So we sit down and we look over the day's activities. And we check up, you know, what went well, what needs to be improved. Not in terms of, you know, what did I get that went well and, you know, how can other people be improved. But in terms of, <laughs> you know, but in, in terms of our own, um, you know, our, our, our motivation that we generated in the morning to not to harm, to be of benefit, to, to act in a way that will lead ourselves and others to enlightenment, then checking that up at the end of the day and seeing, you know, what went well according to that. You know, how was I actually able to approach enlightenment or create some of the causes for enlightenment? And then rejoice in that. And then also, how do I, how can I improve? Where, you know, did I mess up in some way today? Kind of my old behavior patterns pushing me on automatic. And how can I improve that? So this is the basis for the purification practice. Developing the ability to evaluate ourselves in an accurate way so that we're no longer so dependent on other people's approval. Because one of the big problems we have is we we feel so dependent that, that... so grasping that other people like us and approve of us and tell us how wonderful we are. And if they do, then we feel we're okay. And if they criticize us, then we feel we're lousy people. And so we feel completely dependent on other people for our own self-image. And that's basically because we've never developed the ability to evaluate our own actions in a balanced way. And if we could do that, you know, if we have our ethical standards very clear in our mind and how we, you know, a good understanding of what is, you know, constructive behavior and and attitudes, what are destructive behavior and attitudes, then we can begin to evaluate ourselves in an accurate way, rejoicing at what we do well, purifying when we mess up. And then we aren't so dependent on other people's opinions of ourselves. That doesn't mean that we tune other people's feedback out. You know, we tune other people out and, you know, reject their feedback. We still listen to it, but we listen to it in such a way that we we hear it and then we check up if it's true. We don't just take it automatically as true or automatically as false, but we use it as information that only we know our own internal reality. 
So we might act very negatively, but everybody in our family tells us we're wonderful. Yeah. Wow, you were really smart. You're so clever. You know, you did this and this and this and this, and you got the best business deal, and the IRS will never find out. And you know, you're really great. And our family tells us how wonderful we are. We're so clever. We're so wonderful. But you know, we know our own internal reality. And if we know we're acting in devious ways, it doesn't matter what other people say. And similarly, we might be acting with a completely kind and pure open heart, and other people might totally misinterpret what we're doing and blame us and abuse us and criticize us. But again, if we know our reality, we're in touch with our motivation, we know clearly the direction we want to grow in, then even other People come and they say, what in the world are you doing? Why are you going on retreat? Yeah, you're taking a week off of work to go sit with your legs crossed? You know, you got it in silence? <laughs> this is your holiday? You're going to sit in silence with aching knees? you got to be crazy. And so other people tell you this. But if you know, you know, what's good for, you, for your own mental health, you know what's good for the direction you're taking in life, then other people can tell you that you're from Mars or you should go there. <laughs> and, you know, you don't really care a whole lot because you recognize, of course, that's their opinion from their viewpoint, but I know my own reality. I know what's happening in my own mind. Yeah. So this process of checking up every evening is really good for helping us to get to know ourselves and also developing some kind of confidence in the direction that we've taken to go in our life. Especially when it comes to keeping ethical conduct. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people may theoretically tell us it's wonderful to keep ethical conduct. But then when we start to, and they don't like how we're acting, because we won't lie for them anymore, you know... (laughs) Or we won't, we won't snitch things for them anymore, or we won't kill mosquitoes for them anymore. Then they might get really angry at us and start criticizing us for being so ethical. Yeah. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Goody two-shoes? <laughs> you know? And they get, they get really upset with us. But again, you know, if we know what we're doing and why we're doing it, then we can be a little bit patient with other people because we know that they just don't, they don't have those same values. They don't understand. But we've, we're clear on where we're going. And that's the important thing. Is there a question? Yeah. I was wondering if you have some Dharma medicine for that horrible feeling from guilt. <laughs> it comes from knowing better. And yet, on being unable to live up to what we know, especially like when you technically you understand, you say chocolate or something unhealthy, you're perfectly aware that getting it is not going to make you happy. That if you spend the money on it, you're going to be broke. That you know perfectly well everything that you shouldn't do it, yet you have to do it, and if you don't do it, you're going to be so unhappy. Start measuring and then you do it and you feel rotten because you know better that you're still doing it and then you go through this whole thing and then you feel more rotten because you're wasting all the time going over this I mean is there a way out of this one? 
with myself on the station, but I feel it's like I could do it with those people, but I can do it with myself. Yeah. Uh, people know what she's talking about. <laughs> Anybody here who hasn't felt that way? <laughs> um, one thing that that I've experimented doing with this one, which does help, is you know that the taking and giving meditation, the Tonglen, where we imagine taking on the negativity of others and using it to destroy our, our own egoism and, and self-centeredness and negativity and then giving our happiness and benefit to others. When I get in this kind of down on myself thing, I try saying, okay, as long as I've messed up and as long as I'm hating myself and feeling miserable about it, may this suffice for all the pain and misery of all other beings. And then, especially when I start thinking of how other other people hate themselves so much and how that's really one of our big problems is that we're so self-critical, you know, and, and just thinking how much pain so many people live in because of that. And then really thinking, okay, as long as I'm experiencing that, may I take that away from them? And then doing the taking and giving meditation when I'm breathing in the smoke, really thinking of taking others' self-hatred and their guilt and all that from them, you know, and then using it to destroy the, the egoism, the, self, the self-centeredness and ignorance. You know. And then thinking of all the good things I have, like whatever you bought that you don't, you know, that you, you know. <laughs> then... Give that away. When you're sending out the light, then giving that away to others, multiplying it, making it more beautiful and more wonderful, and giving it away to others, sharing it with them. 